This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. I met you a few weeks ago with my wife. Uh, we were in Amsterdam and you took us on a private tour of the Van Gogh Museum. Now, also I'm saying Van Gogh because I was always taught to say Van Gogh, but it's Van Gogh, isn't it? Yes, you do it perfectly. It's Van Gogh. Everybody says it wrong. It's even so that when I meet Americans and I say I do, I give private tours and I have a company um, in tours to the Van Gogh Museum, they say like, I don't know this artist. So yes, most people think I'm talking about different artists than Van Gogh. Why is Vincent considered today one of the most influential artists in the West? That's a question a lot of people ask me because a lot of people also don't necessarily like his paintings. Um, and I think what Vincent does and what every great artist does is that they um, they paint like with their soul and their heart. And it's so vulnerable and so open that, you know, you, 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 you're just touched by it. And it's not necessarily the best artist there is. It's like academically, he's not that interesting maybe, but it's just that he's so pure and honest. And I think when you're um, connected to yourself in a way, you can kind of feel that. So it touches you. And I think great artists, if it's like, um, poetry, like literature, um, visual arts, you kind of feel that. And that's why I think Vincent, because he's so pure, so honest, and was always so true to himself, you, it speaks in his, in, his, in his artwork. And I think that's why he's one of the greatest artists. How many paintings did he do? So he uh, made at least 700 during his lifetime. So he was an, he started being an artist from the age of 27 and he decided to end his life uh, when he was 37. And in this time span, he made at least 700 oil paintings, but at least 1500 um, artworks in general. So drawings, watercolor, uh, many different things. And how many did he sell? Yep. How many did he sell? One. <laughs> he only sold one in his lifetime, so he was incredibly determined and, and um, yeah. One, one, he sold one painting. He just sold one painting. Um, yes, it's, they say he might have sold, you know, another one, uh, um, a self-portrait, but the one we know for sure that he sold was to Anna Boss. Um, she's from the China company. She was a very uh, wealthy um, uh, woman. Her parents had the China company, Villeroy and Boss, quite well known. And she bought the painting called The Vineyard. And it's a painting he made in Arlem. And it's a beautiful painting with a red, mm. lot of red stones of people, um, you know, harvesting, yeah, the, the grapes for the, for the wine. Take me back to his life story. Yes. Okay. So Vincent, um, he was born in 1853 in the south of the Netherlands and it's in Zundert. Um, according to people, Vincent is born in many different places. So for example, I went to Otterlo. It's in the east um, of the Netherlands two days ago. And we went to a pizzeria and there was Vincent on the, on the building of the pizzeria. And I told this man, okay, what's your relationship to Vincent? And then he said, yeah, yeah, Vincent is born here. 
it's not the case. Vincent is born in the south of the Netherlands and um, it's um, a place with a lot of farmers. And farmers and peasant life, countryside life, it's very important to him. And you can see that always back in his oeuvre. And I feel that um, the farmers he paints, he paints with extra love, really with a lot of affection. So his mother came from a family of art dealers. She had three cousins who were art dealers. And his father was a Protestant minister, a pastor. And um, so they were living in the south of uh, the Netherlands. And Vincent tried a lot of things after high school. So first he tried being an art dealer like his uncles. But, you know, all the niceties and being kind to clients and dressing well, he didn't care about that. So... He was fired after six years. It took six years, probably because you know he his, he was friends. Like his, his uncle was uh, was 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 an art dealer, so they let him there for six years. But actually, it, he wasn't fit for the job at all. Um, and then Vincent thought, okay, maybe I need to be. I'm going to be a pastor like my father because I I love the Bible. And this is also something that will come back because his spiritual quest, his religious quest, it goes from being religious, you know, caring for the Bible, which is of course beautiful, but then it becomes more his spirituality and connection to God becomes more and more a personal experience. Um, so he tries being a, a minister. So he becomes an apprentice uh, pastor and he sent uh, by the church, sent him to Borinage. And the Borinage, it's, a very small mining community in the south of Belgium. And these people, they don't really, they don't have anything. And Vincent has a, a small house from the church. And Vincent has some nice clothing. Not a lot, but he has something. And he feels guilty because he feels like, you know, these people don't have anything. So he starts giving away everything he has. He starts giving away his clothing. He starts giving away money. He also feels uncomfortable living in his house. So um, these people, you know, they think this man is supposed to help us. He, he was there to unite the community, to give them strength, to give them hope. Um, so the people st started not really trusting him because they, they said, you know, this guy, Vincent, he looks as miserable as we do. So how can he help us? So they started making jokes and they said like, oh, there's Jesus. He thinks he's Jesus, Jesus of Borinage. And Vincent, who really did his best, but in, he wanted to help not being above those people and preaching to them. The way uh, for Vincent to help these people we, was like being in the trenches with him, you know, with them and, and, and being like them and, and, and showing them a way, you know, in, in their same level. He never wanted to be above something. He never wanted to be above nature as well. Um, but these people were not used to that. So... He was not able to unite these people. He wasn't able to unite the community. And the church said, Vincent, you know, you're not a good preacher. You know, people don't really listen to, to you. You're not charismatic. You're really caring for people. They see that, but you take it a bit too far. So when Vincent was 27, he was fired again. He really didn't know what to do. And 27 back then was really a hopeless case. You know, like nowadays, 27, most people don't know what to do. But back then it was a bit, he was very much lost. And meanwhile, his younger brother, Theo, um, was actually more fit for society. So he started being an art dealer and that went quite well. So he was 23. He looked really 
nice and 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 you know he was very friendly to the client so he made a career quite quickly in in the art firm um so theo talked to vincent and theo said like vincent you always send me letters with very nice lovely drawings in them maybe why don't you start being an artist i'm an art dealer you're an artist so i can uh, if you if you paint, I will sell your paintings in Paris because he was uh, uh, then uh, going to Paris as an art dealer. And uh, Vincent thought it was a great idea. And that's why uh, Vincent started being an artist at 27. He thought, you know, he, I cannot do anything else. He, he saw a lot of art in his life because, you know, his, his uncles were art dealers. Um, and he was an art dealer himself, or he tried to be. So he thought, okay, I think it's great. I'm going to focus totally on art. And then Theo told him, okay, I will send you a monthly allowance. I will send you some money so you can focus on art. Um, and then you send me the paintings and I will sell them. So that was actually a beautiful agreement uh, between two brothers that uh, was the start of Vincent's career. He had no experience in art, did he? Um, no, nothing. He was self-taught as well. And he didn't come from money. Uh, his, let's say his mother came more from money than his father. Was like a, a pastor. They were, were respectable people in the community, but no, not necessarily. Like more middle-class uh, family. They didn't have a lot, a lot of money. So what happened next? So. Vincent started, I want, you know, said, I want to be an artist. And what he was seeing around him was a lot of art um, uh, focused on farmers, because we have to think we're in the 19th century. In the 19th century, you have the industrialization, a lot of uh, manufacturers came up. Um, so there was also a lot of romanticization and idealization of farm life. And if we look at this painting, um, by Joseph Israels, a Dutch uh, artist who was also interested in farm life. He paints this beautiful scene of a peasant family having dinner. And you can see there's some nice light coming from the upper left side. Um, you know, it's, you see there, it's simple life, it's modest, but everyone has to eat. And you see even the cat has something to eat. So it's, it's kind of a romanticized vision on farm life. And Vincent saw this and he thought, um, you know, I want to make paintings like these. I'm interested in farm life. I want to, you know, paint the farmers, um, but I want to do it in a, an honest way. So he started being an artist at 27 and at 32, uh, he was self-taught for, for uh, five years. He made a painting that's now incredibly uh, well-known. Uh, and it's inspired by this painting, and it's the potato eaters. Um, so Vincent sees this painting, but he thinks, okay, it's nice, but it's too romanticized because he knew what was going on with farm life. You know, he, he was he was brought up uh, amongst uh, um, farmers and peasant life. So what Vincent did was very different, um, and he made this painting. It's a great painting. It's a great painting. Yes, it's like the the, the the version before was like the Disney version of farm life. And this is the horror version of farm life. And it's not romanticized at all. It's like totally different. And um, it was also very different for um, back then. Because again, people make art and they want, and why do you uh, buy art? Because you want to look at something beautiful. 
And this is interesting, but it's not necessarily beautiful. So it was not a commercial choice um, for Vincent at all. What do we see? We see farmers only eating potatoes. And that's why they have a bit of those bony hands and faces, right? That's because they are malnourished. They don't get enough vitamin inside. It's cold. Like it's typically, it's now November in the Netherlands. It's it's extremely uh, cold. It's raining out, outside and it's the same for them inside. They're like wearing thick clothing. They have the... Dutch traditional caps, hats, caps they're wearing, um, and it's cold and, and there's only potatoes to eat. And you have a bit of steam in front of the girl from the potatoes uh, coming up. Um, they're not smiling. They're not, you know, it's it's just not romanticized. It's really what was going on. It has the, it had the feeling as if you were there with them in the you know eating in 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 the cold um some uh, potatoes it's almost grotesque it's grotesque yes you could say you could say it's it's a bit much it's intense it's like looking at this painting you know you're depressed within two weeks for example and that was actually so that's why vincent made this painting and he was really happy with it because firstly it really shows that he's a great artist because every face is depicted from a different angle um and, and it's honest. So he was very pleased with it. But when he showed it to Theo, um, Theo didn't like it at all. He thought it was way too dark. It's way too heavy. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't want to hear all the criticism because he was happy. And um, Vincent was writing a lot of um, letters to Theo. And this is one of them. And here you can clearly see that he writes a letter and then makes a little sketch of what he's making. And due to all of his letters, we know also a lot about Vincent's life. So Vincent makes that painting um, and, and he's 32 and he feels, okay, now it's time for me. It's time for me to move on. Um, he's for a short period, he's in, in, in Antwerp to go to an art academy, but it's also not really his thing. Um, so then he receives a letter from Theo in, in which Theo says, Vincent, when you want to be a great artist, you have to come to Paris because Paris is hot and happening. So you, you need to come, come in a couple of months. I will make sure I find us a better and a bigger place. Um, but Vincent couldn't wait. So he received that letter from Theo and he arrived in Paris the next week. Um, and in Paris, Vincent saw color, uh, lots of color. And he really felt, you know, the need to change uh, his style. He really felt like, okay, I want to be a modern artist. And I, you know, he saw Monet, he saw Degas, he saw all the artists that, that, that you know, that um, were using color, were using pointillism, were using, uh, you know, were, it was very bright. So he did new things. Let me show you. So this is a painting Vincent made, and it was when he was living with his brother in Rulepic. It was quite difficult for Theo to live with Vincent because firstly, Vincent was very messy. He would use the, the socks of Theo to clean his brushes. There was paint everywhere. Theo was all the time stepping in paint. Um, and also Theo was a very, um, it was, a, was very much um, 
a social person. He had a lot of friends coming over. It was an art dealer. So he was very smooth. He was hosting dinners. And Vincent would pick fights with everyone who came uh, to these dinners with, with Theo. So Vincent felt, you know, like Vincent wasn't really a social person. So it was very difficult uh, to Theo, but he made this lovely view of um, uh, Montmartre. And in this one, you can really see that he started using color. It's totally different already than, uh, of course, the potato eaters uh, that he uh, made. And he starts using pontilism. And pontilism is when artists use different dots next to each other with different colors. So for example, um, uh, blue and yellow. And in our brain, it creates green, right? It, our brain melts these colors. So he tried that, but it wasn't his thing. So as you can see, he tried pontilism here, but you know, he, he just he's an artist who wants to paint quickly. Let's be honest. It it's not very good. Um, no, it's not very good. I, you know, as an art historian, <laughs> I could agree. It Vincent isn't, uh, you know, he is not a pontilist. The pontilism doesn't go well. It's it's charming. It's lovely, mm -hmm. but it's not good. It's not like academically. It's not a great uh, painting. No. Um, <laughs> I know, I know that you shouldn't say that because he's one of the, the world's greatest artists, but it, it, it wasn't very, but, he, but he wasn't very good. <laughs> Nowadays, we no, but no, I, I, yeah, we can say that. I think some but, paintings are really, really good. And okay, but in his defense, and, and my wife and I spoke about this when we after we did the tour with you. Mm hmm he wasn't technically very good, but he was doing something that other artists had never done. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. And that's why also he only sold one painting because people mm. didn't understand him. Yeah. Um, he did write in a letter, and I think that's really, really beautiful to Theo. And he said, you know, Theo, maybe I'm just an artist for the people who are not born yet. And Vincent couldn't wait for the new generation because he did feel somewhere in in himself that you know that there was a time that people could appreciate his paintings but it wasn't back then yet mm. so he did different things for example um this painting clearly inspired by japanese art so in the 19th century it was a whole japan mania in paris like people started wearing kimonos if you had money you would go to japan um, and vincent and theo started collecting japanese prints but Vincent loved Japanese art, you know, so much that he started copying it as well. And uh, here we see one of his paintings, clearly inspired by uh, Japanese art. Very flat. Um, so very flat. We have the outline, the thick outline, um, around the, the, the object, and there's almost no shadow. So um, what's interesting is that if we look at his paintings that he made in Paris, let me find another one. Um, he's really still finding his style. So you can imagine this artist was always painting with dark colors in the south of the Netherlands. And, and he was very much inspired by paintings of Rembrandt, the Dutch 17th century masters. Uh, when he arrived in Paris, he realized that he wants to be a modern artist, but he wasn't because he wasn't using color. So he was a bit insecure and he tried many different things. So in Paris, we can't really pinpoint his signature style yet. Mm. Um, 
and 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 that comes later. He becomes Vincent, I think, in Arle. Then we really will will see, uh, you know, the paintings that we start loving uh, uh, by him. In Paris, uh, it was a very fruitful time, though, because he, you know, he started meeting people, and he also met this woman, Agostina Segatori. And he had an affair with her. You know, Vincent's love life was not really, really... It was quite quite stormy, let's say. And if you look at this woman, you can see it's a very creative bohemian woman. She's drinking, she's smoking, something that was totally not done in the 19th century, and especially to be depicted drinking and uh, smoking. Mm. And she's an Italian, of course, a very, you know, a passionate uh, Italian woman, Agostina Segatori, and she's the owner of Café Le Tambourin. And Café Le Tambourin is this café where you want, you just wanted to be. Like if there was a place I, I can, you know, I can go in a time machine, I want to be in Café Le Tambourin. Because you can imagine that all the artists were there. You had Van Gogh, Toulouse-Lautrec, Gauguin, they were all meeting together in this café and they had discussions about art. Um, and they were also hosting exhibitions. And if we look in this painting, we can see on the right side, some Japanese art. And that's probably print by Vincent that he was showing in that gallery. Um, so they had a stormy affair that didn't end well, but she also introduced him to Gauguin, Paul Gauguin, and Paul Gauguin and Vincent became friends frenemies but we uh, come back to that and um at a certain point vincent was living in paris for two years and he felt you know it's time to leave he was missing his farmers he was missing nature you know paris was not really his city um so he decided to go to arles to the south of france it's in the provence and he rented a very lovely house it's a very well-known house nowadays it's his house is the yellow house. And Vincent actually didn't want to go there by himself because he wanted to go with all the artists he met in Paris. So he was sending invitations for to artists, you know, to start live with him in the yellow house. So he said to Gauguin, you know, come live with me, Toulouse-Lautrec, you know, I want to live with you um, because he wanted to start an artistic community. But Vincent, unfortunately, was lacking a bit of the social skills. So nobody wanted to live with him. And um, so he went there by himself. Um, but after a few months asking Gauguin to come live with him, Gauguin thought, okay, Vincent, fine, I will go and come live with you. He hadn't sold any paintings at this stage. How was he making money? Yeah, so it was still Theo who would fund everything. And Theo was also... His, his uh, brother. Yes, his brother, younger brother even, like four years his uh, junior. So he believed in him so much that he just kept funding his lifestyle. Yes. It was one hand, I think Theo was just, it was such a financial, uh, emotional um, and spiritual support. Like without Theo, Vincent would be lost. Indeed, it was brotherly love, but I think also Theo really believed in Vincent. And he really thought that one day it will pay off and he could sell, you know, all his paintings and... Um, it would break even. Something interesting that most people don't know, they always think that Theo was giving a lot and that Vincent wasn't giving a lot back. But the thing is that actually um, Vincent was very much in the artistic circles and Theo want, you know, was an art dealer. So Vincent was really introducing uh, Theo to all the artists he knew. 
So it was also, it was kind of a, you know, it was a more balanced uh, exchange than a lot of people think. Now at this stage, he hadn't created any paintings that would become very famous. I did because well, the uh, potato eaters, I suppose. Yes. Yes. And, uh, he makes in Arle, he makes the, and, and, and a painting that's very famous. And, uh, I will uh, come back to my story. So mm. at a certain point, Gauguin says, okay, Vincent, I come live with you. And we don't really know if Gauguin really wants to live with Vincent or it was just that he ran out of money. So it was convenient for him to live with Vincent because Theo would fund everything. Next to that, Theo's, uh, Vincent's brother, Theo, of course, is an art dealer. So strategically for the career of Gauguin, it could be really wise to be, be friends with Vincent. So um, when Gauguin tells Vincent, I come live with you, Vincent is extremely excited uh, and he paints this painting. And he hangs the sunflower. Pretty, pretty famous, I would say. One of the most uh, well-known pictures in the world. Um, it's the so this is the painting that that I was looking at, and I got too close to it, and you said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you need to step a bit back. Otherwise, <laughs> it will never let me in the museum again. I think but, I was this. I think I must have been a few centimeters away from it. Yes, that's true. There's glass and, in front. Of it, but yeah, still. but but the security guard wasn't there. No. No, that's true. Well, that was your, your your luck. Otherwise, you know. Do you remember? Do you remember just just after me? There was that probably American guy who had his cell phone on the glass, and then you still went and touched his shoulder and said, "Sorry, sir." I remember. I never do that because it's not my job. But this time, <laughs> nobody was so I felt, you know, I I felt I needed to, to do that. Yeah. Just before we continue, this painting, the sunflowers, it's extremely famous. How much do you think this painting is worth? Um, I think at least $300 million. U US dollars. So 300 million US dollars. Yes. US dollars. Of course it's not for sale. Might be, might be, might be more. Um, it will never be for sale. No, because it's now it's part of the, the Dutch state. It's in a foundation. So, so, um, but we come back to that. So after Vincent a lot of paintings were sold um, actually to really imp improve his fame. And uh, for example, Starry Night, uh, the sunflowers in the National Gallery, they were all sold uh, yeah, to kind of make Vincent more well-known. So this painting Vincent made to welcome his friend Gauguin. And he ha was hanging it in the bedroom of Gauguin. And when Gauguin saw it, he actually really loved it. Uh, he thought it's a great painting. But Vincent and Gauguin, they had a very difficult relationship, I would say, and mainly because they had a very different perspective on art. So Gauguin thought that um, to be a great artist, you have to paint from your imagination. You know, you just have to go. So Gauguin was traveling a lot. He was going to Haiti, Martinique, faraway places. And when he came back to Paris, he would paint everything from his imagination what he saw there. Uh, Vincent was a very different artist. So Vincent really painted only what he saw in front of him. So Vincent was copying nature, painting, you know, towards nature. And I think the main reason for that was also he had a bit of a religious background. So God created the earth and Vincent thought like, who am I to change that? 
like earth and nature is already so perfect i can only pay a tribute to it so he was really um he was yeah he was just copying what he was seeing in front of him and this to um gauguin was a bit silly because go back to the 19th century something was invented that changed our life that we use almost every day it's the camera so for artists in the 19th end of the 19th century there was this uh, theory that when you are an artist uh, and in the age in the time of a camera and you paint just what's in front of you it's better to make a picture of it so that was the theory of Gauguin. So Gauguin thought, okay, Vincent, I think your paintings are pretty nice, but you're not a real artist because you cannot paint from your imagination. So that was the criticism of Gauguin. And we see that reflected, uh, for example, in a painting Gauguin makes of Vincent painting the sunflowers. And if we compare it with this painting, also, firstly, it really seems there are two kinds of flowers in this vase. But if you look in the vase of Gauguin, you really see these are mature and fresh sunflowers. Um, so let's go quickly back to the painting by Vincent. Um, so these are mature, mature and fresh sunflowers. And, and Vincent's philosophy was also that there's no difference between death and life really so even the the dead sunflowers the mature sunflowers he paints them even the paint is even thicker than on the fresh sunflowers so it's really it shows you that for him there's a circulation of life there's no difference between you know something that's alive or dead you know he paints it with the same love and and it the same vibrant way but there is something unique about this painting also correct me if i'm wrong but he was a bit of a cheapskate, so yellow was the cheapest color to buy. Yes, the cheapest <laughs> to use. And again, sunflowers are the cheapest flowers because in the south of France, they're everywhere. So it was just, you know, very convenient for him as well to use a yellow. Next to it, that it's indeed a color that, that really fits him as a person and personality and but indeed, it was also, it was a bit of a cheapskate, but he couldn't, you know, he didn't <laughs> differently. Well, a very interesting detail. Uh, you might not see it that well, but, you know, I, I would invite everyone to go to the Van Gogh Museum with me and my colleagues, of course. Um, you see this line above the upper flower. So you see, um, there's a line, very sub subtly, subtle, you can see a line. And it's actually the original size of the canvas was like this. So Vincent realized when the, the artwork, you know, that when it would stop here, the composition is not that nice. It's not that balanced. So what Vincent did um, when the painting was finished, he added a piece of canvas. So now we have this, you know, like two centimeters above uh, the upper flower. So now it has a, you know, a way more balanced, perfect composition. And you can see that line in the actual painting. Yeah, you see it in the actual painting. Mm. You see it quite well. And also, I think when you look here at these, these things, he just puts a little bit of leaves to kind of connect that part of the painting with the uh, original part. Um, just a technical question. His artwork now is obviously a couple hundred years old. Um, how much of his paintings have faded and or, or changed color? 
Uh, I would suggest to say every painting. So his paintings are nowadays, it's still very colorful. We're looking at his paintings and think that the bright colors beautiful, but back in the days, they were even more colorful because mm. every, every painting got, you know, faded over time. But the sunflowers that the yellow probably stayed fairly yellow. Yes. There are some colors that faded more than the yellow. Yes. I, I, I think so. Definitely. So he made the sunflowers and, um, and he really made, so he put them in a vase, right? Everything Vincent paints in, in general is just, you know, what he saw in front of him. So also this mature sunflowers he puts in a vase as well. Um, this is what Gauguin makes of it. And Gauguin paints this painting in December. Um, and of course there are no, no sunflowers then. So again, he paints it from his imagination. But then when we look at Vincent, the Vincent Gauguin paints, he is almost painting not on the canvas, but on the sunflowers with the, on the sunflowers with his pencil. And, and he doesn't look, you know, that he's has the greatest thoughts. He looks mindless and then he's like mindlessly copying nature. And of course that was really a criticism by Gauguin. Um, and also when Vincent saw this picture, he didn't like it. He really said to Gauguin, like, you know, you make me look like a madman, a lunatic. And that was actually also the criticism of Gauguin. So probably that was what Gauguin intended with this painting. And he has a bit of a, it's not really kind to say, but a bit of a, a monkey expression, like, so it says a lot about their relationship and also that actually uh, Vincent was really looking up to Gauguin. Gauguin was a bit older, was more charismatic, already had a family, was selling some paintings. Um, so he was really looking up to uh, Gauguin. And you can also see that in his chair. So this chair is in the uh, Van Gogh Museum. Most of the paintings I'm using are in the Van Gogh Museum. Um, and this is the chair of Gauguin. And Vincent also painted his own chair. As you so you see the difference. Vincent's chair, day version. It's very modest. You know, Vincent was all about modesty, like sunflowers, yellow paint, uh, farmers, countryside life. Um, so this was the representation how Vincent saw himself. And then we see uh, the chair of Gauguin that Vincent painted. And it's a way more royal, luxurious chair. And um, that was the chair Vincent bought for Gauguin. Um, on the chair, we see some books and some a candle. And, and it was really representing uh, Gauguin according to Vincent. So Gauguin was someone when he would enter a room, he would light up the whole room. It was really the opposite of Vincent. When Vincent would enter a room, people would go away, let's say. So very, they were very different in, in, in their personalities. And, and Gauguin had a lot of friends, a lot of people want to be friends with him. Vincent has less friends and, 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 and had more difficulties in personal relationships. But what I also would say when you look at this painting, there's a lot of absence. And this, what I'm going to tell you now is what I think relates to why Vincent is sort of such a great artist. So um, a few days after Vincent paints this painting, everything you know goes to hell like the whole relationships ends um and 
I feel you can already kind of feel it in the painting. So a candle is a symbol for something that dies out. So the relationship between Gauguin and Vincent was dying out. Um, his friend is not there on the chair. The chair is empty. Um, he uses the dark colors, the colors that Gauguin also uses. But you can really feel there's something happening. There's something in, in, in the air. And, and probably Vincent felt that. So Vincent had the feeling that... Um, that Gauguin wanted to leave. They had a lot of, they had more and more fights. Uh, and also, you know, Gauguin was living in Arles, but it was happening in Paris. So he probably felt, you know, I want to go back to Paris. You know, what, what am I doing here in this, uh, in this little, you know, place with this strange man? So at a certain point, after uh, Vincent painted this painting, he ha he has a massive fight with Gauguin. Maybe they were drinking a lot of alcohol. Um, and probably Gauguin started saying to Vincent, Vincent, you're just not a real artist. Let's face it. You can't paint from your imagination. I don't know what you're doing, but you're not a real artist. Vincent gets uh, angry and starts threatening Gauguin with a razor blade. Um, and Gauguin runs away and uh, Vincent cuts off a piece of his left or cuts off his left ear. Um, of course, there are many versions. I had a, a doctor, a throat, nose and ear doctor in my tour. And he told me probably it's because when people have a bipolar disorder, when they go in a psychotic episode, they hear um, a noise in their ear. So it could be Vincent was hearing that noise and he wanted to get rid of it. And that's how he, how he cut his ear. We don't exactly know what, what the reason was that he did that. It could be an emotional manipulation. It could be a cry for help that he was like, you know, uh, don't leave me. Uh, I will kill myself. Go again when you leave me. How so much he, of, sorry, how much of his ear did he cut off? Yes, that's uh, still a discussion. But according to me, it's quite a fairly a, a, a big, big, uh, big part of his ear. Almost all his ear. Um, and he... When he cut off the air, he puts it in a newspaper and was he wrote, remember me on it. And he wanted to give it to Gauguin. Very dramatic. Like he's a dramatic artist in a way. So he wanted to give it to Gauguin, but then he couldn't find Gauguin. So he, he was searching for a woman he knew, uh, a prostitute called Rachel. Um, so he found Rachel uh, in the brothel and then he gave her the ear. She opened the package. She saw, okay, this is not a piece of chocolate. So she called <laughs> And the police um, came to get Vincent, brought him to the hospital where he was hospitalized and treated for his ear. In the meantime, people sort of started talking, right? It's a small village. So more and more people heard about this story. They already thought Vincent was a bit of a strange man. So they started the petition that they wanted Vincent out of the village. Um, and that's, that's, that's when the police told Vincent, you know, 30 people signed this petition uh, Vincent also talked to Theo and they, uh, Vincent voluntarily thought it would be a good uh, decision to go to a mental hospital. So this is one of the last paintings he makes in Arles and, and a lot of in his life shifted afterwards. His relationship with Gauguin ended, uh, he's, he's 36, he uh, never sold a, you know, he only sold one painting, he doesn't have a family and was craving for family life. So it's not the best of times, let's say. So after this painting, he goes to Saint-Rémy. Um, so in Saint-Rémy, he makes, for example, also Starry Night. And 
Um, he also, let me show you. So he makes quite beautiful paintings there as well. And in this painting, for example, you can see it's uh, made in a mental asylum. And that's because it was a closed institution. So you can see a wall uh, in the painting over here. Mm. And Vincent saw this from his window in the asylum. And actually, when he saw this image, he it really related to his way, how he saw life. And again, it's a circulation of life and death. So we see a reaper, we see a wheat uh, connected to the earth, and we see wheat that's bundled uh, on the ground. And according to Vincent, he really felt that um, he saw this reaper that, you know, takes us from life one day, and then we're cut basically like, like the wheat is cut and then we're bundled, but there's no really a difference. There's not really a difference between the, the, the wheat that's connected to the earth and the wheat that's laying on the ground. It's one life. It's still, the, it has the same color. So even the wheat that's dead, that's laying there bundled, it's still, um, it's a death with a wink because it's yellow. So Vincent, even though he was in his mental asylum, he kept on painting. He kept on, you know, having also um, consoli uh, consolidation. That's how you call it, right? In in, in nature, and he felt, um, yeah, he, he had his moments that he, that that you know, like when he painted Starry Night, he saw the beauty of nature, and there was a lot of hope in his paintings uh, as well. Um, so when he was in the mental uh, asylum. Uh, he had contact with uh, Theo and Theo told him, you know, Vincent, my wife uh, is pregnant um, and I want to start my own gallery. And in one hand, of course, Vincent was extremely excited because he thought, you know, it's great for my brother. Everything is going well with him. You know, uh, he's very successful. He starts a family, but it also was confronting Vincent with his own lack of success and his own lack of a family and a loving relationship, something that he was really, really craving for. Um, so, and next to that, Vincent was very much afraid because he's almost living from the money of Theo for 10 years and he, he doesn't know how to support himself. So he thought when my brother starts an art, you know, a, a gallery, when that fails, he doesn't know how to continue to live. He doesn't really know how to support himself at all. So it was a very, very tough time that maybe leaded, we, we don't really know, but maybe leaded to the decision to uh, that he ended his life um, on the 27th of uh, uh, July after he went out of the mental hospital when he was in, uh, when he was in Auvergne. So, um, so, 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 that, so, the, so, the, so the official story is that he committed suicide? Yes. There is another story um, because apparently there, there, there was some research that apparently when he would have shot himself, the angle wouldn't really, you know, fit with what, what really happened. So there's another story by Julian Schnabel, uh, the artist from uh, the States, and he made a movie. And in that movie, it's the, the um, it's that there were some guys playing and some boys playing in the field. Vincent was painting. They were playing with a gun and they shot him. Accidentally. Uh, accidentally, kind of, yeah. So that's another version. Um, I would think when I look at his, the last paintings he makes in his life and all the loneliness that you see there, the fact that he already um, was able to hurt himself with his ear, that he had, you know, maybe he didn't do it very much 
consciously. It could be that he had an episode, but I, I, mm. I do believe that he did that himself. Um, so, do you think? Do you think he was autistic? I do think he was, he had something on the autistic spectrum. I think mm. people, you know, it's always this thing when someone is genius and crazy. It's really a thin line, um, and he was everything he did in life. If it was being an art dealer, if it was being uh, trying to be a um, um, Protestant minister, everything he did, he did very fully and extremely determined, like in a mm. way that normal people would think it's a bit too much. So I think that relates to, it could be that he had something on the autistic spectrum, definitely. So he committed suicide and he had sold one painting. Yes. So what happened next? So here you can see, he was only 37 and he, uh, he only sold uh, one painting. And then people think, okay, probably it's his brother, Theo, of course, who makes Vincent famous. Um, so when we look at this painting, that painting, I'm sorry. And when we look at this image, we see that also Theo was only 33, passed away uh, six months later. Um, and he, he was suffering from syphilis, but also, of course, the grief, the passing of his brother made everything like worse and deteriorated quickly. So he also died. Um, he died. He died half a year after his brother. Half a year after Vincent. Yes. So, so, so Theo didn't ever get to see what would become of Vincent's art. No, um, but what was happening was a few months after Vincent died, there was an art historian that had a very, wrote a beautiful essay, a review on Vincent's works, and it was extremely positive. So then um, Theo realized that he wanted to keep all of his letters and he really felt like, okay, it's important to really, you know, keep everything uh, from Vincent. But indeed, he never saw his success. So then I asked mostly to people, who's the one to make Vincent famous? Mm. Because when Theo's not there, most people say, okay, it's probably the son of Theo that, that was named after Vincent, Vincent Willem van Gogh. Um, but it's not, it's actually, you know, his wife. So I would say that behind every success story, of course, there's a strong woman, also in this case. So the wife of Theo, Jo Bongers, Johanna Bongers, she was the one who really felt it as her mission in life to bring the paintings from uh, Vincent to the people, to really make, uh, you know, Vincent famous because it was so important to her husband. It was really, so it was her life mission. And, and obviously she succeeded and uh, she started selling some important paintings to different galleries. Not that she didn't want that because she was very attached to these paintings. But for example, um, Starry Night she sold to the MoMA and also the um, uh, Sunflowers to the National Gallery in London. So he made five of them. Um, so she did that really because she knew it would be strategically wise to do so. So just to be clear, the majority of his art is now sitting in his museum, which is in Amsterdam. But yes. some of the famous ones like Starry Night are sitting in the United States and they, they didn't decide to try and get that art back. No, 
because it's also good you know for more people you know that's why he's so well known globally everyone everyone talks about vincent everyone knows vincent they're coming from all over the world and that's actually because of this strategy because you can see paintings by vincent in paris you can see painting by vincent in the united states so it was actually to you know it, it resulted in in him being this worldwide phenom phenomenon actually I know it's a difficult question to answer, but if if you were to guess which work of his is the most prolific or most famous, which would you think it is? I think it's just Starry Night, and it's because <laughs> I think because the marketing of the MoMA and and of course mm. in New York City, um, most people has been to that museum, so most yeah. people know the painting. And it's it's, uh, it's been in movies and has been in songs and all sorts of things. Mm. Yes, Even, you know, most people have seen it, even though they haven't seen it on the flash, they have it on a coffee cup, they have it on a t-shirt, they have it on an umbrella. So yes, definitely that painting, um, I, I would suggest. Uh, what is your favorite? Um, his old shoes. And um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, his old shoes. I don't have a picture of it now, but that's my favorite painting. <laughs> Funnily enough, my favorite uh, is the uh, bedroom. Hmm. Yeah. It looks like a cartoon. <laughs> it's it relates to you definitely, and I mm. think it's great that you say that because I've the bedroom he really made for himself, and so I think you can feel a lot of Vincent's. Um, you know, you can feel a lot of himself in that painting because he really made it for himself. Um, do you think Vincent um, is 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 more than than just the artist? I mean, is there what can we learn about ourselves? Um, firstly, I think Vincent. People say that he had such a tragic life and that he had no success, no love, like uh, no family. But I would say he had a very successful life. And, and that's actually because he was honest to himself and he did what he wanted to do. So I think most people, uh, no, not most people, a lot of people don't do that. And, and, and I think we can learn from Vincent to be very courageous in, in, in how we live our life, to really choose our own path, even though success is not necessarily following. He was really following his heart. And, um, I do think that, you know, if he would stuck around a bit longer, he would have, you know, he would have um, picked the fruits from his success, definitely. And I think that works in life. I think you can only be successful, whatever that is, is when you really, you know, do what you love to do and do it fully. Um, and, and success always follows that. And, and, and that's why I think actually Vincent was a very successful man because he loved fully everything, nature, mm. um, art, literature. Um, the people around him, his brother. Um, so yeah, I think he's very, very relevant in this 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 day where everyone just wants to be famous. And I think, um, yeah, that's what we can learn from him. How can I find out more about uh, what you do and your tours, etc.? Um, definitely. So um, I have a company called LovingVincentTours.com. And we really focus on the best tours of, about the life of Vincent van Gogh. And not only his paintings, but himself, his spiritual quest. So 
Um, so yeah, you can find me there and, and uh, lovingvincenttours.com. And I work with a very lovely uh, five colleagues. So they're very happy to, you know, take you on a tour to really dive deep into Vincent and his work. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.